0: Now, I don't know if you saw this meme from a few years ago, but there was this a profound question that was offered to humanity a few years ago on social media. And here was the question. Would you rather have $500,000 or dinner with Jay-Z? And it was a very confusing question because it didn't feel like they added up to one another, but this question spread and went, went viral online because people were debating which one would you rather do. And then Jay-Z himself finally answered and said... Take the $500,000, don't have dinner with me because I'm not gonna offer you much. As we dive into part four of our series, what we are actually get to do when we're in the book of Proverbs is get to fi- get financial advice from one of the wealthiest men to have ever lived on the planet, and his name was Solomon, and he's been, we've been looking at uh, different things that he's got to teach us, and he s- talks about money and wealth and prosperity and poverty a lot as well, and I think this topic is, of wealth and money is important for us to talk about, especially in 2024, because some research that I did uh, shows that Americans, as we enter into 2024, uh, we have a lot of anxiety around our money and how to handle our money or how to make more money. In fact, here's what the study found. In this study, they polled uh, middle-class Americans. uh, That's those who make between $50,000 a year to $150,000 a year. And here's what they found. The top priority for the middle-class American in 2024 is to build additional wealth. On the other hand, the top concern for middle-class Americans was money. And so both of these are a priority and a concern. They also found that two-thirds of the respondents of this poll found that they either think about sometimes or all the time about how people wealthier than them make more money. The other thing that this study found was that money was the primary source of anxiety for everyday Americans because we were concerned with how to have more and more financial security. So as we enter into a year where there might be some tensions around money and maybe for you there's not, but at the very least there's some unknowns when it comes to our country, when it comes to what's gonna happen this year. Maybe for others of you, money is a source of anxiety. It hangs over your head or keeps you off balance, keeps you restless, uncomfortable, nervous. Maybe your family, you talk about it way too much, whatever it may be. The book of Proverbs and the wealthiest man to ever have lived, Solomon, he offers a perspective on money that I think will bring us to a point of having peace and contentment in life and not the anxiety that often comes with money. So before we dive in, I want to pray, and let me just say, uh, just bear with me this morning with my energy as I'm recovering from this respiratory illness. Someone told me last service that I sound like Liam Neeson, and uh, now you know why, because I'm getting over a cold. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for your word that speaks so clearly. We thank you uh, for your word that speaks, gives us wisdom on how to approach practical aspects of our life, especially as we talked this morning about money. Would you speak through me, a broken and flawed man? Would you help every single person here to hear from your word and to apply it to their hearts so that they can live the way that you intended for them to live, in peace and not in anxiety. In Jesus' name we pray, and the church said, amen. amen. Well, here's a question that I found myself asking, and maybe you've asked yourself this. As Christians, are we supposed to live In poverty, in humility, in in a lowly way, or are we supposed to embrace prosperity? Now, depending on what church you go to, they might teach you either extreme. I've struggled with this uh, as a pastor at times. Like there's times in my life where I just want to sell everything that I have, sell my uh, house and my cars and my kids. I'm just kidding. Sell everything that I have and just become this lowly human being because I feel like that's what God's called us to do. On the other hand, there's some times where I I want to indulge in some of the prosperity that I find in the country that I live in. And there's these two extremes when it comes to prosperity and poverty. And sometimes I find myself in the middle trying to manage this tension. The writer of Proverbs, Solomon, he offers us some solutions that I think would be helpful when it comes to either extreme. Here's what he says in Proverbs 235 4. And here's what I want to start. He says this, Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust your own cleverness. Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. Here's the first place that he starts with, and it's, a, it's uh, wisdom for us to understand. When it comes to pursuing money in our lives, do not drive yourself to a point where you overwork yourself to get rich. Wisdom starts by saying that our motivation and drive in life cannot be just to become rich. Now wealth and prosperity and money might make you feel secure for a moment, but it will fade away. So he's saying, do not wear yourself out for something that fades away. And wisdom in the book of Proverbs teaches us foundationally when it comes to this perspective of having money and working towards having more money, that the most important place for us to get to as followers of God is to have peace with just having enough for our daily needs. See, Solomon, uh, as he's done over the last few weeks, as we've explored, he never gives us these black and white answers when it comes to the topics that we're covering. He kind of wants us to live in the middle. And wisdom is kind of finding the right balance between multiple extremes in life. The writer of Proverbs in chapter 30 would say this, Two things I ask of you, Lord, do not refuse me before I I die. Keep falsehood and lies from me, number one. And then number two, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Look at this prayer. Two things I ask of you, God, before I die. Answer these prayers for me. Keep falsehood and lies from me, but then give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Give me neither extreme but just right in the middle, just what I need for my daily bread. It's difficult for us to pray a prayer like this because oftentimes when we approach the new year, what we want is excess and more and more than last year and more than yesterday and more than what people have around us. We're we're driven towards having more and accomplishing more and getting more and gaining more and climbing the ladders. Wisdom tells us, give me neither extreme, Just give me what I need for today. And then he examines his own heart, the writer of this proverb. And here's what he says in verse 9. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. He says, here's why I can't have either extreme. If I become wealthy, I might say, who is God? I have so much security, everything that I need in life. Why do I need God? And this is the danger of wealth and prosperity that the writer of Proverbs is showing us. Yes, it will bring us comfort. Yes, it will bring us material things. Yes, it will give us happiness even. But there's a great danger in it. The danger of prosperity is that it can bring us to a place of not acknowledging that we need God in our lives. This is why Jesus, he talked about money a lot. And in one passage he says, it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than a rich man to enter heaven. Why? Jesus doesn't hate rich people. In fact, many followers of God were rich in scripture. But he understands that our richness and our prosperity and our wealth can cause us to get to a point to say, who is God? Do I really need God? I had a, a member of our church back in New York. Uh, and he was uh, someone that worked in New York City on Wall Street. And he had this, his boss... And his boss was a very uh, rich man, and he was about to have this meeting with his boss. And he was telling me that he's anxious about this meeting, and he wants his boss to know who God is. And uh, his boss knows that he's a Christian, and, and so he's been kind of praying about this meeting that he was going to have with his boss. And he has this meeting, and he tells him about God. He says, do you, do you know that God loves you and that you need God in, his, in your life? And he says, why do I need God? I have everything that I need in my life. And this is what wealth and prosperity does for us. It blinds us to thinking that we can be secure in what we have in our hands or in our bank accounts or the houses that we live in or the walls that surround us to the point that we say, why do I really need God? And that's why wisdom tells us, give me neither, the riches or the poverty, because poverty can compromise my integrity. If I live in poverty, I might take some shortcuts I might deal dishonestly with my money. Give me neither. I don't want either one. I just want what I need for today. I want my daily bread. What would it mean for us to have this type of mindset when it came to our money and our work and our wealth and prosperity this year? Just to say, God, give me what I need just for today. Jesus would echo these words in a prayer that he taught his disciples that we know as the Lord's Prayer. Where he says, pray this. To the Father, give me today, give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. This is countercultural to the society that we find ourselves in because as the study showed, the number one priority for Americans this year is to what? To be more wealthy. And there's nothing wrong with wanting more. But Scripture constantly warns us to be content with just having enough So that we do not forget that God is the one that we are dependent on and trust in. God is the one that gives us the enough in life. See, God has always wanted His people to have this type of mindset. To say, God, everything you've given me and will give me is enough in life. I don't need anything else. But if you look at the story of humanity, especially in the Bible, what you find is that us human beings in our sinful nature, we always have to go outside of the enough that God has given us. Take, for example, in the garden. God creates the heavens and the earth in the garden. At this beautiful oasis called Eden. And he places humanity in it and says, everything here is yours. All of it is yours. Indulge, eat, take, accept the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do not eat from it. He gives them a choice. He says, I've given you enough, except this one thing. What do we find humanity doing? Going outside of the enough that God had given them. This is the story of humanity that we're not content with the enough that God has given us. This story repeats itself in different ways. For example, in the book of Exodus, we find that God leads the Israelites out of captivity. They were enslaved by the Egyptians for about 430 years, and God leads them out of Egypt because he wanted them to know that he was their God and they were his people, and he was the one that was going to lead them out of Egypt. He leads them out of Egypt, and here they are in the wilderness, and they wander the wilderness. And what they do after they've been freed is that they look at God and say, wait a minute. We're in the wilderness and we have no food to eat. We have no resources. We don't have enough. We would rather be enslaved by the Egyptians because in Egypt we had pots where we can eat from. At least they gave us food. And God, you set us free. But here we are in the wilderness and we have no food. And God was trying to get his people to get to a point where they would only trust in his provision. And so what happens? The people complain to Moses and Aaron, the leaders, and they go to God. And God tells them, here's what I'm going to do. I'm doing this so I can test my people. I will provide bread from heaven. They didn't even know what it was. The morning dew would turn into these wafers filled with honey that they would call manna. And they would eat it. And every day God would have to provide for them. And if God did not provide, they did not survive. And God was teaching his people a lesson. You have to come to a point where you just look to me for what you need daily. Dependency on me. Because I am your God and I will provide every single thing that you need. This is why the writer of Proverbs says, give me neither riches nor poverty. Because God provides just what I need every single day. Give me my daily bread so that I can trust in God as my provider. That my security and my dependency can be on God. What would it look like for us to wake up daily and say, God, just give me what I need today? What would it take for your prayers this year just to say, God, give me what I need just for today to get through this year? They almost seem like flat prayers because why? we're wired to ask for more and demand for more. And There's nothing wrong with asking God to bless us in life. But what wisdom teaches us is you have to begin at a place where you can say, God, just give me enough so that I can know you are the one that provides for me. So as you plan this year, it's okay for you to plan out which moves to make and which vacations to take and where to cut costs and how to make more money. And all the planning is good. But what if in that planning we begin to plan out what would it look like for me to live on just what I need on my daily bread? What would it look like for us to just slow down To reject all the anxiety that comes around money and work this year and the markets and the economy and everything that's coming up ahead. What if we rejected the dominant culture that we find ourselves in which says you've got to go out and get more this year. To make more, climb the ladder, get more followers, make this the best year of your life. To just being slowed down people that trust in God's providence over our lives. What would that mean for us? To say, God... I rely on you, and I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. This requires trust. This requires surrender. That's why the writer says, don't give me either one so I can just trust in God. The writer of Hebrews would say this, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For what God has said is this, I will never fail you, and I will never abandon you. Don't worry about money. Just be satisfied with what you have. Because God says, I will never fail you or abandon you. Wisdom tells us that this year, the prayers that we need to pray when it comes to wealth and prosperity and money is, God, give me just what I need. My hunch, though, is that because we're middle class and because we're here in America, many of us have way more than we need. So we find it difficult to pray, give me just what I need. Because we're a people of excess, so why would we pray, God, give me what I need? Because we have way more than we need. We have way more cars than we need, way more clothes than we need, way more shoes than we need. There's a story about Bill Gates, and he goes to India, and he sits down with this woman in the village, and he's trying to help her understand uh, what resources they could offer to help the people in this village. And he has this great meeting with her, and he leaves the meeting And one of the people in the village uh, comes to find out who he was and says, did you realize that you just sat across the richest man in the world? And she said, it doesn't mean anything. An average American and Bill Gates could walk into my village and they're both the richest men in the world compared to the situations that I have. And so sometimes... It's difficult for us to have perspective on what it means to be wealthy or have excess. But all of us, I would say, here in America, if not most of us, for the most part, have more than enough. And so, number one, if we can't get to a place of saying, God, just give me what I need for today, the next prayer that we might pray is, God, help me not to live and trust in the excess that I have. And Jesus would speak to this. He would speak about the excess that people in his society and his culture had and how they trusted in it. And I think it's a timely word for us in this year as well. Jesus would speak of this in Matthew chapter 6, and that's where we'll turn verse 19. He says this, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. A quick study of this passage would show you that the audience of Jesus understood that moths and uh, and worms and vermin could destroy material possessions. For many at the time, the material possessions that they had and they would hold onto and hoard were expensive clothing, and these would get destroyed by these moths and these worms. He also knew that they were those that would store up treasures in their homes. And the homes back then were made of clay, and you could easily... Break through them and steal. And Jesus was basically saying, don't store up for yourself things in your homes that by the time you get back home from work could be gone because thieves could get in and you could lose all of it. Don't store up things that will one day fade away. I think this is one of the top things that Jesus would preach today if he lived among us today. The excess that we have and the excess that we Trust him. I used to work about 10, uh, 12 years ago for a storage, self-storage company. And if you're looking for a business to start, it's a nice racket because all you have to do is build these warehouses. You just need a few staff members and people will come and pay you a lot of money to keep junk that they can't keep in their home in your storage facility. For the last, in the last uh, 12 years, the storage, self-storage industry has grown to a $50 billion industry worldwide. And Americans, us, we contribute $30 billion of it. We have so many things. We have homes already. We have so many things that we can't store in our homes. So then we pay someone money to store more things. And then when we can't pay enough to store those things, we end up throwing it away. Here's a business writer, Polly Labar. She notes this, that the United States spends more on trash bags than 90 other countries spend on everything. Our waste costs more than all the goods consumed by certain countries. Why? We're a people of excess, and we trust in the excess at times. I shared this data with you last year, but LendingTree did this poll with Americans, and they found this, that us, you and I, Americans, we spend on average $18,000 a year on non-essential goods and items. Now You might not think that you do that, but if you go through your bank account and say, what do I need as my daily bread, and what will be considered excess? We would all probably say, we're spending a lot of money on non-essential goods. And again... Is the, what's the balance? Does Jesus not want us to enjoy life or the pleasures of life or to buy nice things for our kids or all that? No, Jesus is having the same message that he told his audience is the same message that he asked for us this morning is that don't you realize the stuff that you're indulging in, the stuff that's piling on, all of it will fade away. It will rot away. And that means that all of it has no value. The only thing that will last in this room is not the clothes or the stage or the lights or the shoes you're wearing. The only thing that will last forever are the souls of the people that live here, that are sitting here. And so Jesus then tells the people that are listening to him, "Therefore, don't store up for yourself on earth things that will rot away your closet that you can't take to the grave with you, your cars that you can't take to the grave with you." He's saying, instead, store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven. So if you have excess, don't spend it on things that will fade away. And don't just stockpile them somewhere, knowing that it's going to fade away. Instead, store up for yourself treasures in heaven. This phrase at the time for the Jewish audience of Jesus uh, would have made sense because it meant that what you did for others was treasures that you'd store up in heaven. Your acts of kindness and generosity towards others would not fade away, but would be in return treasures that would not be destroyed so Jesus was teaching here, treasures in heaven can only be had not by buying, but by giving to others. Treasures in heaven means that we can look back on the rest of our lives. At some point when you look back on your life, you can say, I've stored up treasures in heaven. I've stored up treasures that go to the lives of people. This is what the early church did. They prioritized people. The sick, the poor, the helpless, the widows. And there's this beautiful story about the early church in the Roman Empire in about um, A.D. 25. The church was being persecuted. And there's a story of Roman authorities going into a church to loot the church because they thought that the church might have some treasures there. And they go to one of the deacons at the time. His name was Laurinaitis. The Romans demanded from Laurinaitis, and they said, show me where all of your treasures are. And the story goes that Laurinaitis pointed at the widows and orphans who were being fed, the sick who were being nursed, the poor whose needs were being supplied, and said, there, that's the treasures of the church. This is what it means to have treasures laid up in heaven. When Jesus is echoing the wisdom of Proverbs, which says, you don't need the excess in life. Give me neither poverty or riches. Just give me what I need for my daily bread. And if God has given you excess... Then it should go towards treasure in heaven. And then he says this. He begins to expose their heart a little bit. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus talks so much about money, not because he wanted people's money. but, But he knew that it was easy for us human beings to trust in our money. It's the same lesson of the garden and the Exodus freed uh, uh, Israelites. The same message that's found in the book of Proverbs where he says, don't give me riches because it might cause me to say, who is God? Why do I need God? And Jesus puts it plainly, where your treasure is, there your heart is as well. Where your treasure is, where your heart is as well. Where you put your money reveals what you've given your heart to. Where you've put your money, where you spend your money reveals what you've given your heart to. And this is difficult because we've, we think and believe that all the non-essential items that we spend our money on are actually necessary. For many of us, if we look at what we've given our heart to, it might be Amazon accounts and Netflix accounts and different subscriptions and clothing and cars and whatever it might be, if we just look at our bank account, it would tell us what we've given our heart to. Jesus is saying, but hypothetically, if there was a test to get into heaven, imagine you die and you go to heaven. He says, okay, how do I get into heaven? And God might ask you for it. Give me your bank statement from the last month. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be Also, what you've spent your money on reveals what you've given yourself to. Is it treasures on earth or is it treasures in heaven? I struggle with this talk of money. Sometimes I don't even want to talk about money. But the Bible is very clear when it comes to money. We are not supposed to be attached to it, to be lovers of it. But we are to use it for our daily needs and give the excess to those that might need it around us. Because where your treasure is, there your heart is. Also, God's not asking you to live in poverty this year, but he's especially not asking you to live in excess, indulging in waste that goes towards things that are perishable. He's asking us that beyond what we need for our daily bread, we are generous people with what God has given to us. And if we can live in that balance of trusting in God today and giving to those that might be in need, we will be people that completely depend on God. Here's another reason why we should be people that give to others who have need. The writer of Proverbs, he would say this, as well he says the rich and the poor in the world, they have one thing in common. God has created them. The rich and the poor have one thing in common, God has created them. And then the writer of the Proverbs would uh, I don't have the verses for you, but he would go into more detail by saying The rich have all the friends in the world. The poor have no one in the world. But do not despise helping the poor in the world. And so he talks about poverty and wealth over and over. But the warning that we see from the writer of Proverbs is that the rich, those who have excess, are supposed to help those who have very little. We find ourselves in a city that of the top cities in the country San Antonio ranks number three for the highest rate of poverty. So you might say, well, I don't see people in poverty around me. Because many of us live outside of the loop. And inside of the loop, except a few cases, we find poverty. And we've separated ourselves from people who the writer of Proverbs says are our brothers and sisters because the same God that made you has made them. And the rich are supposed to be generous to those who are in need. I don't say this to condemn you or to make you feel bad, but you and I, we have an obligation as people that usually have some excess to help those around us. A lot of times we have a hard time getting there because the question we ask ourselves is, you start the year and you say, okay, I'm going to set aside this much money for God. I'm gonna set aside this much money to help people in need. What's the question that immediately goes to your mind? Well, what if I need it for, what if this happened, what if I need this expense, or what if I need to save for this? We begin chasing after all the what ifs in life. We begin what? Anxiety begins to rise up inside of us as soon as we begin to release some of the resources that we have. It works like clockwork. As soon as you release some of the things that you have, anxiety immediately creeps up. And that's why Jesus, as he continues to teach, he says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Worship band, you guys can come on up. I got just about a minute and a half left this morning. Here's one of the things that God taught me. I was at a drive-thru, and it was a fast food drive-thru. Don't judge me. I don't know which one it was, but I was sitting at the drive-thru, and it was a long line, and I remember on the side of the building, there was this faucet that came down, this uh, drainage that came down, and there was water that was leaking out of it, and there was just this bird sitting there just drinking from, like, the drops of water, just waiting patiently for the drops of water. And God was reminding me that far too often in life, I'm so caught up with what I have or do not have. That's what Jesus is saying here. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away. They don't have self-storage units that they put seeds in. They just live life and God feeds them. And he says this, are you not much more valuable than they are? So why do you worry about tomorrow? Why do you worry about what's coming up ahead? Again, plan your year. Plan your finances. Maybe take Financial Peace University when we start it in a few weeks. But if releasing some of the excess in our life causes anxiety to rise up in your life, the reminder from Jesus is, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? So this year, maybe there's some anxiety and tension around money and what's going to happen in the market and the economy and the election and all that stuff. What if this year, we just rejected the anxiety that came around all this stuff? What am I going to have this year? Am I going to get that job this year? What if we just said, God, help me to come to a place of just saying, give us today our daily bread. Give me just what I need for today and everything else Help me to bless others in my life. Maybe that's a practical step that you take. Identify what you need. Identify what's excess. I'm not saying get rid of all the excess. Have some fun in life. Enjoy some things. Go out to a date uh, with your wife at a nice restaurant. Do all those things. But maybe just identify where some of that excess can go to helping others in need. One of the things that my wife and I decided last year that we want to incorporate this year is we'll never say no an opportunity to be generous to someone if an opportunity arises to be generous we'll never second guess it or question it just do it just be generous and whatever it is that we need god will provide how can our prayers reflect the prayers of the writer of proverbs that says god give me this before i die neither poverty or riches just give me my daily bread God, I don't know how many years I'm going to have left on this earth, but just give me what I need for today. Maybe that's a prayer that you're praying. God, I don't know if I'm going to get married this year, but just help me to walk day by day, knowing that I can trust on you, trust in you for my daily needs. God, I don't know if I'm going to have a job by the end of this year. I don't know what my career is going to look like. Just give me my daily bread. God, in the wilderness, was testing his people. Can you live a life every single day just knowing, waking up, saying, today I'm going to eat because God's going to provide from heaven. If we can live that type of life, we'll live anxiety-free, stress-free. We'll live as free people, knowing that the creator of the universe knows every single thing you and I need and will provide it for us. Let me pray for us.